verse 4. Uh, and the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. We got some visitors here tonight, and we want to welcome you. It's good to have you all. We got some from Georgia, and I have some family here as well. So it's, it's a good day. Uh, some from Georgia, that's where I'm from too. Yes, I'm from Georgia as well. <laughs> and I'm from Nigeria, and I'm from the United States, all of them. <laughs> all of them. Praise the Lord. Uh, tonight, I want to hopefully conclude. No, yes. You know how the Lord is. You read one verse and he doesn't stop giving to you. Amen. And uh, I want to conclude, I pray, (laughs) by God's grace, beauty for those who mourn in the house of God. Beauty for those who mourn. That's what Jesus came to give to us. And from time to time, things will come into our lives that will cause us to mourn. We don't understand it. Does it make sense to us? We are pained by it. We're looking for answers. But Jesus is that answer. And he tells us in Isaiah chapter 61, I'm going to go starting from verse 1. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the reason why the spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus is because God has anointed him. For what? To preach good tidings to the poor. Good tidings to the poor. We're not talking about poor monetarily. That's not what we're talking. Everyone born into this earth is spiritually poor. And if we are poor materially, that's born out of the fact that there is a spiritual poverty. So Jesus was anointed to preach to the poor. He said he was sent to heal the brokenhearted. Then he went on to say to proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of prison to those who are bound. Opening of prison to those who are bound. Then to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And the day of vengeance of our God. The day of vengeance is not vengeance against you. It's vengeance against everything that's coming against your life. And it's the day, today is that day of vengeance against whatever is coming against your life. Whatever is holding you back. Whatever is tormenting you mentally. Whatever is holding back your family. Whatever is holding back your uh, finances. Whatever is making you not to feel whole the way God created you to be, God, Jesus said, He came to proclaim liberty and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and to proclaim the day of vengeance. The day of vengeance of our God against whatever that is. And the Bible says today is that day. Second Corinthians chapter 6 verse 2. That today is that day. Now is the acceptable time. Just right now. 
And most of the time we hear these scriptures, but we're not expecting anything. If it's now, now means now. I've got to expect it now. God cannot say now and mean tomorrow. He means now. Now is the acceptable time. Today is that day of salvation. Today is the acceptable day of the Lord. That's what he's saying. And then he says, to comfort everyone, all who mourn in Zion. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. So his comfort is to give you beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We've gone through all of this. But I said last week, you have a role. There's something you got to do. You have a part to play in this. The major part of it is to believe it. And to act on it. To believe it and to act on it. Jesus will never do, God will never do anything outside your life. It will always ask you to bring the human element, the natural element, and then he will add the super to it, and then you have a supernatural event. But you've got to give him the natural element. Before Jesus turned water into wine, he asked those people, you go get the water. You fill the pots with water. You have your role. You bring the natural, and then he will bring the super. Now, after you do your natural thing that involves a lot of work, you don't see the supernatural taking place. Now, just draw out of it, and you got your wine that you're looking for. So, the family is not put to shame. Beauty for ashes. So, he does the miracle so you don't suffer shame. But you have a role in it. And what you need is already in your house. The woman, the widow, whose husband had died, went to the prophet and said, My husband is dead and they're trying to take my kids. And he said, What do you have in your house? Because your solution, the, the solution to the problem is already in your house. Those who mourn in Zion, because you are a child of God, you already have it with you. It's in the natural. You bring the natural, that oil, and begin to pour it, act on your faith, and God will bring in the supernatural to take you out of your mourning, your shame. You got your role. And last week we talked about the man who was born, I mean the man who was blind in Jericho. He was sitting outside Jericho. He's been blind. He was begging, depending on people all his life. I believe he didn't like it. He had not seen. He couldn't, we don't know when he got blind. We don't know how long he had been in that situation. But I believe he had heard so much about Jesus. No way to get to Jesus. Now this day he heard a lot of noise. People, people talking. In short, he couldn't see. He had his blind garment on, so everybody knew he was blind and he was a beggar. God, is, God doesn't want his child to be a beggar. Amen. But he'll let you be if you want to do that. But then he started crying out. 
Jesus, son of David, you know that word, I recognize you are the Messiah. You were anointed to give me beauty for ashes. And they said, be quiet. You're yelling too loud. Sometimes you got to yell, amen? And don't pay attention to those people who are saying, you are out of order. When you are yelling towards God for your deliverance, you can't be a gentleman. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent ones take it by force. And they say, be quiet. You're yelling too loud. You are disturbing the peace. Be quiet. We got Messiah here. Well, that's who I am trying to get in the first place. I'm going to yell. You guys can't stop me. He overlooked them and he kept yelling. He yelled even louder over their voices so that the master will hear him. And you think these things are written in the scriptures? We read it and say, how nice. Well, if you need your miracle, you got to yell as well. You have a role to play. His part was to yell so his blindness would go away. He yelled. And they told him, be quiet. Many times, those that are opposing you, when God has delivered your miracles to you, they'll rejoice with you. So don't mind them. Amen. They don't understand what you're doing. But he got the master's attention. And the master heard him. And Jesus stopped. And he said, call that man. And the same people that were telling him, be quiet. They said, hi, your trouble is over. Be of good share. He's calling for you. Amen. You see how they switched immediately? One time they're cursing you out. The other time they're accepting you. That's why I said, don't pay attention to men. Focus on him. Just him. Don't listen to them. If you got your heart on him, forget what they're saying. They can't help you anyway. Only him can help you. So we stay focused on him. They said, be of good cheer. He's calling for you. And you know what he did? He threw his blind garment away. I don't need this stuff anymore. This is my day of vengeance. Amen? This is my day of vengeance. You can read in Mark chapter 10 the scriptures. I'm just telling the story. But he threw his garment away. He acted his faith. He knew he's calling for me. I don't need this stuff anymore. I don't need to beg anymore. This is my day of vengeance. This is the day that God will give me beauty for ashes. I'm going to be free from this thing. I'm going. I'm going to be free. You know, the Bible tells us, I believe, uh, this is Psalm 23. We all say it a lot. Goodness and mercy shall follow me some days of my life. Oh, yeah. You're really paying attention. Goodness and mercy. The man was saying, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, you are the Messiah. You are the merciful one. Your mercies are new every morning. Now, son of David, you can pass by 
I need mercy. Have mercy on me. And for those who mourn in Zion, until you recognize it, the Bible is saying, goodness and mercy are yours. They are your portion every single day of your life, whether you know it or not. Goodness and mercy follow you everywhere you go. You got two bodyguards. One is called mercy. The other one is called goodness. So when they see you, uh, they're looking at goodness. I like it when I walk into a place and they say, what's your name? I say, good luck. And they look, that's your name, really? Good luck? <laughs> that's who I am. I'm just good luck. <laughs> but I like to say, look, I've I got goodness and mercy. And they look and say, yeah, we got a weird guy here. He says it's goodness and mercy. <laughs> but God surrounds us with favor as with a shield. So we have favor with God. We have a role to play. Every single day, everywhere you go, God has commended goodness and mercy. Mercy means your healing. That's what the man asked for, right? He didn't say, Jesus, heal me. He said, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, what kind of mercy do you want? Amen. What kind of mercy do you want? Because mercy is not just physical healing. That could mean healing for your family. That could mean healing for your finances. If you don't have a job, you're going to have one. Because goodness and mercy follow you. Everywhere you go, God will take care of your needs. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Basically, what kind of mercy do you want? We've got different colors of mercies in heaven. Which one do you want? To beautify your life. Amen. To beautify your life. And the guy said, I want to see. That's been the things that's brought shame to my life. You have to understand, and we're coming to that. I'm sure he's blind. Everybody's asking questions. He's a Jew. How come he's blind? They don't tell him to his face. If you, don't think, if you think this is wrong, remember about the man who was born blind? You know, they were saying, you were born in sin. Remember that? You were born in sin. That's the way they felt about him and the family. That was a lot of shame for him. And even his parents were being indicted. Nobody says it, about, says it openly about them, but every time they come to church, they're wondering, how come? That's a lot of shame. And you think they were not aware of it? They knew what was going on and what people were saying. But this day, Jesus beautified his life when he healed him. Took the shame away and all the questions away from him so that I can see. And as soon as Jesus healed him, he felt, I'm not going anywhere. I'm attaching myself to you. He said he followed them in the way. He became one of the crowd following Jesus. And I'm sure everybody was asking questions, asking him, how did it feel now that you can see? How was it when you were blind? And all of that. 
he was dignified. Amen. Pastor Al, you're giving me trouble now. I'm sure it works. This is America. No, <laughs> God promised to take away shame. His ways are so different from our, from our ways. And many times we don't understand where he's going with what he's doing in our lives. But people will talk. Those who know their God will be what? They will be strong. And they'll do exploits. I'm wondering, you know, think about Joseph, his path. And sure, initially, people were thinking, wow, that was the favorite son in a home. And he was telling the story himself. I've done nothing wrong. And everything seemed to be going the the wrong direction. From a favorite son to a slave. And then a prisoner. But that was God's path to bring him up and wash away all the shame. Sometimes, you know, I think in my mind, Potiphar, you know, he was in Potiphar's house, right? As a slave. A few years later, he was Potiphar's master. Think about that. And I wonder what was going to be happening to that woman. Excuse me. (laughs) Seeing Joseph up there, you got no power over him. We don't think about this thing. We just say, well, yeah, it's happened. But think about what was happening to Potiphar. He probably said, I knew it. I knew it. I knew something was different about that boy. See? Now, he was so powerful, Potiphar couldn't, couldn't touch him. Just to recognize, I know it. Maybe we should have treated him a little better. Amen? Maybe I shouldn't have put him in prison. But that was the path God prepared for him. And he went through that path. God says in Isaiah chapter 54 verse 4, He says, do not fear. What did he say we shouldn't do? What did he say we shouldn't do? Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear for you will not Be ashamed. Don't consider it. The circumstances may be right for you to feel that way because everything that's happening around you seems to be pointing to this this thing that you are going to be put to shame. But God said, don't be concerned about it because I am your God. Don't fear. You will not be ashamed. And that's what God's saying to you tonight. You will not be ashamed. No matter what's happening in your life, God's going to take care of you. I'm saying this to you tonight in the name of Jesus. Don't be concerned. You will not be put to shame. Psalm 69 verse 6 tells us that. That's a prayer from the heart towards God. Let not those who wait for you. O Lord, God of hosts, be ashamed because of me. 
Let not those who seek you be confounded because of me, O God of Israel. When he's your God, no one's going to look at your life. When it's all over, they'll realize God's been there. No wonder. No wonder. God said, don't be afraid. Do not fear. You will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced. God will not allow you to be disgraced. I got to believe him. No matter what's happening in my life, don't make sense. No matter what's happening in your life, if you've got God, God's watching over, God's watching over your life. God will not allow you to be disgraced. If your heart is with him to serve him, they may not understand the path that he's taking you through, but don't worry about them. He will not allow you to be disgraced. You've got to trust him. That's why the Bible tells us, Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Because your understanding is going to tell you, oh, shame's coming. But God says, trust in the Lord, not with some of your heart, all of your heart. Why? Because all the circumstances around you don't make sense. If they make sense, there's no need to trust in I mean, if you already got it, there's no need to trust. But because they don't make sense, God's saying, don't let it bother you. You got to trust me. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. He says you will not be disgraced. You will not be put to shame. Those things that you are going through now, the Bible calls the days of your widowhood, those things will be in the past. God has a new day. And the scripture says, He makes all things new. Amen. What, how many things does he make new? All things. All things. He makes all things new. You will not be ashamed. I talked about the man who was born blind. And I read the scriptures here in John chapter 9. From verse 1, he says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? That's a lot of shame. What did these people do wrong? They must have done something so bad. Who sinned? Notice, not just one disciple... All of them wanted to know. His disciples asked him, Who sinned? Who sinned? This man or his parents? <laughs> What's happening to him was already affecting his parents as well. Everyone was questioning. Who sinned? This man or his parents? I'm sure they were not saying it loud so the guy can hear. It was a whisper dream. <laughs> Jesus, who did give us some insight here? We need to know what happened. Is this this man's problem or is it the, the children that's doing this? 
that he was born blind. Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed. That the works of God should be what? Revealed. The power of God should be revealed in his life. So you may be going through something. It's not because you sinned. God allowed it so that he can reveal his glory in your life. All God wants to do is not like he's punishing you. These little afflictions are just for a season. That's what the Bible says. They are just for a season. Because God is wanting to reveal to the world through your life his power and his glory. It's not because of sin. So what you're going through, they don't understand. They may be thinking it's because of sin. But God saying, no, I just want to show. I know he can handle it. That's a lot of glory for a man. When God can say, I can handle it, I'll go through this to let the world know who I am. That's what God did with Job. It wasn't because of Job's sin. He, God was sure he can handle whatever you throw at him. That's God bragging on a man. There's nothing bigger than that. But he went through it. And God rewarded it, rewarded him for it. So the thing that you're going through, if it's not because of anything you've done and you're going through it, God allowed it because he's wanting to reveal his power through your life so everyone can see and turn to him. And so through your life, people are turned to God and they, are become, they become lights. So you are that light that's on a hill that cannot be hid. And you are lighting every life because of what God has done for you. You are the light of the world. So it has nothing to do with whether or not you've sinned. His God allowed it because he wants to reveal his glory. But after saying that, I want to also let you know that you can, this thing is true. Jesus didn't say, oh, disciples, you guys are wrong. Nobody ever gets sick because of sin. And he didn't say, oh, no, you're right, guys are wrong. And nobody ever goes through blindness uh, because of what the parents did. It's just that in this case, that's not the case here. My point is, you may be going through something it's possible it could be because of sin. It could be because of sin. You see, there are two different kinds of blindness. There is physical blindness and there is spiritual blindness. The spiritual blindness is worse than the physical blindness. Believe me. Spiritual blindness is worse than physical blindness. Because if your spiritual eyes are open, there is a chance your physical blindness will go away. That's just the truth. Once your spiritual eyes are open, it's like uh, the lady that uh, uh, testified tonight, she understood the power of the uh, uh, communion. Amen? And she took it, 
I'm sure there were people who just took communion. It, it was bread and uh, <laughs> some, uh, what do you call it, grape juice. Yeah, we had uh, some great grape juice in church. I was little though, but, but for her, it was more than that. Amen? It was healing. And she got her healing from drinking uh, uh, what we bought from the store. <laughs> Amen? But when we presented it, According to the way Jesus spoke from the word, that thing was transformed into something supernatural, ordinary, became supernatural, and brought healing to her. That's how powerful whatever we do with Jesus is. So it's possible that whatever has happened in the past can affect your life. The way I look at it, Today, I believe that my children are more privileged than I am <laughs> because of my situation. My parents, they didn't start off as Christians. And we did a lot of crazy, they did a lot of crazy stuff. And I followed them when I could go with them. I've told the story here before. We're going out to a wish doctor back in Africa. And they, they tell her, oh, you guys, kneel down, kneel down. Pray to this God. And you got this uh, uh, idol that, I know Americans don't do that. Their, their idol is, uh, 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 what do you call it, Wall Street? I'm kidding. <laughs> they bow before Wall Street, you know. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, if, but if you take Wall Street and you put it with that idol, they are just the same. And, and, and they'll say, oh, you guys kneel down. I really enjoyed those days when we went, excuse me, but uh, as a kid, when we went to these voodoo doctors or witch doctors uh, to make sacrifices for what we call protection against the enemy. And, um, and, and, but for me, the real fun was uh, the goat meat and, uh, <laughs> and the, the cow meat that we were going to eat. I couldn't wait for all of this nonsense to be over so I can get my meat, you know. <laughs> I could care less as a kid, you know, praying to this, uh, I don't know. And they're carved by them. And, and some of these guys that carved those things, they didn't know how to carve properly. And I'm looking at that, this is bad. The nose is crooked. <laughs> and his eyes, one, one is bigger than the other one. But they said, that's God. Kneel down and said, no, mama, that can't be God. He looks ugly. <laughs> but we pray. And I don't know what to pray about that, but let's get through all of this. Let me get to the meat. It's good. But as, once I became a Christian, I realized that was just not a game. There were demonic forces that came from that. And I started praying. I believe in 1980, that's what, back there in Georgia, I, I had to, I spent about four, um, seven days not eating, probably I wasn't drinking at all. I was so desperate to get all of those forces away from my life so, th so they don't affect my children, so that my children can be free. They don't have, my children don't have any of those heritage right now. They are free to live their lives, no oppression, because now all of that stuff ended with me. Now they are starting with Christ. 
Because that's the, the father in our, home, in our home. The real father in our home is the heavenly father. And uh, he takes care of his children. And they can go. They don't have to be blind. They don't have to be lame in any area of their life. Because the father is at work in their life. But the truth is, these things can affect us. And so what I did, and you can do the same thing. Everything, I confessed all the sins. I don't remember what they did, God, whatever they did consciously or unconsciously that was against you, please forgive them. They were ignorant. And I joined them, and I was ignorant. So please forgive me, and there will not be a curse in my life. Let me share this with you. No curse for the Christian, but you got to address it. Amen? You got to address it. In the Old Testament, God addressed it for them. In the New Testament, God wants you to address the problem. That's the difference. God said to uh, uh, Abraham in, in um, Genesis chapter 12, He said, whoever curses you, what will I do? I will curse. Whoever blesses you, I will bless. What, is it God, what's God, what was God saying? You will live a curseless life. Nobody can put a curse upon your life. You're free. In the New Testament, not when they send it, you say it back. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises, they're saying things. If those words don't mean anything, why would God tell you to condemn them? They mean something. And they could affect your life. So we must, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent ones take it by force. Uh, this gentle uh, man's Christianity and lady type Christianity, uh, devil doesn't understand that language. You got to fight back. Sometimes it's good to stay in your room by yourself and yell. Yell at the devil because he's hard of hearing. So you need to yell at him, tell him to get lost. Amen? And he'll leave. Because Jesus is giving you the authority. Amen? But God healed that man. And you know this story. The people were saying you were all together born in sin. That's what they thought. And then he told them, he said, you were the ones that taught us. That God doesn't work with somebody who is a sinner. Now you're telling me that the one who opened my eyes is a sinner? You're not making sense. Since the world began, it's never been written. He was telling them, this man had become a preacher. He said, since the world began, we've never read anywhere at any time that a man opened a, man, a man's eyes, another person's eyes, who was born blind? It's impossible. How can you tell me he's a sinner when he can do something like this? He was preaching at them. They didn't like his preaching. And so they threw him out. But then guess what? After they threw him out, Jesus found him. And said, do you believe in the Son of God? That's one time Jesus changed it. Usually he was used the word Son of Man. But this had to do with his salvation. So he asked the man, do you believe in the Son of God? 
the man had never seen before, so he didn't know who he didn't know who he was talking. He was looking at. The man said, "Where is he? I am ready to believe." He knew if he's that man, he's going to be the one who healed me. So he, he didn't know who Jesus was, and Jesus said to him, "I like it." He didn't say, "Yeah, yeah." He said, "You are looking at him." In other words, you know you couldn't see, but right now you're looking at him. The guy said, "Hey." I believe and follow Jesus. Amen? Took away his shame. You know what I believe about that man? He was born without eyes. You don't tell me. I ask the question when I see people like, um, what's his name? Stevie Wonder. Can you see Stevie Wonder and know without a doubt that he was born blind? Somebody has to tell you, right? Somebody has to tell you, yeah, he was born blind. But in this, this case, he was so out of place, the, the disciples said, something really went wrong here. And I thank God, I've, seen, I've read and seen a picture of, uh, not picture, a story of a young uh, child that was born without eyes. We have genetic problems, right? Just thick skin over the eyes, no opening. No opening. That's why Jesus demonstrated the way God created man, he spied and made clay and put on his eyes and said, you do something. Because you have a part in this. Amen? You go what? And he did. And brand new eyes. He looked so different. Some people said, ah. he said, no, that fellow that begged, he sat and begged. They said, yeah, no, he, he, looks, he looked like him. <laughs> because he looked different. He looked different. He had eyes now. They could see everything. He said he looked like him. Read the scripture. John chapter 9. He looked like him. You see, that's the God we serve. And he can take care of you. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can take good care of his children. All we need to do is trust him. All we need to do is trust him. I'm going to end with this because I have uh, a few minutes left. Yes, I have a few minutes left. I see the story of the woman that uh, had the issue of blood. And, and I know we read that story. I like you to, I want to, you know, for those of us who've read that story and you know the story, think about what she was going through. For 12 years. You know, she was a Jewish woman. She believed in God. And, but the same God that she believed in had given a commandment, a statute. Anyone with an issue of blood cannot go to church. You can't go to church. You can't be around people because your presence, if you sat in a place, and somebody sits in the place, they get defiled, and they have to take a shower, and they have to stay away for a while before they are clean and allowed to go to church. So for 12 years, this woman couldn't go to the place of God where they worship God. And yet she believed in that God. For 12 years, she couldn't be around people. That's ashes. 
And I'm sure everyone is asking, what happened? And she was desperate. She wanted to be free from this thing. She had, I'm sure she walked. I don't know when that thing started in her life. And we don't know. All of a sudden, you slept one night, you woke up the next day, and you got this new problem, and it's not going away. This happened. You were free walking, and now you go to the doctor because you're feeling a little pain. Now they're telling you, you got six months to live. That's pretty tough. I don't know when it started with this woman. But as soon as it started, it wasn't going away. She knew she couldn't go back to the house of God. I'm sure her heart was in there. All the Jews went. She couldn't. She had to stay away. She couldn't stay around them in fellowship because she defiled them. And she, I'm sure she walked. She had some money before this thing started. That's why we must focus on God. Because those things come and go. She spent everything she had. And the doctors kept giving her hope. Don't worry, lady. We found this new stuff that can help you. She says, how much? And they said, this. And she's willing just to get rid of the shame in her life. So she can mingle with the people of God. It's like she was rejected by God. How could you sleep? When you have no idea whether God is with you. Oh, God has totally rejected you. They, the rest of them can go. I can't go. I can't hear the word of God. So she was desperate. That was a painful life. And she said she suffered many things from doctors. Some of them took advantage of her, I'm sure. And she didn't mind them. If it didn't work, she went somewhere else. And those ones gave her hope. Probably they knew there was nothing wrong, but it was good to get her money. And then she heard about Jesus. It's it's a funny thing. You think, why did this woman come up with this way to touch his garment? She knew she had no business being out in the public. And she couldn't go to Jesus like the blind man to say, my eyes are blind. There's no way to do that. The first question is, Hey, everybody will run away, move away from her. If she's expressing what's happened to her in the presence of Jesus. She couldn't go there. She couldn't be with them. But God saw her. And God saw the shame. And everything that she was going through. For 12 years. For 12 years. And on this one day. She decided, I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. I know that's the Messiah. I can find mercy even without speaking. I will act my faith and I'll touch him. And I believe. She said, she said within herself, I know if I touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. She wanted it in secret. And she felt it after she touched. I'm sure she wanted to go away. But there's something that Christians do and they get healed and they are afraid to tell in the public. And they, or sometimes it's out of unbelief. They, don't want, they want to check it and wait for a few days to be sure that that thing is really healing. <laughs> but Jesus will not let that be. And Jesus said, who touched me? Not because he was angry at her. Because I believe he knew if she left, she's going to feel like she stole 
something from God that was not really hers. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're human. Satan will come after her. And say, you got that thing wrongly. Everybody goes to him and asks. You didn't ask. You stole it. <laughs> you stole from God. And so Jesus wanted to affirm it. And he would not quit. He said, the disciples said, hey, master, why? What kind of a question is this? Uh, everyone is strong in you. Everybody's touching you. And you're saying, who touched me? And Jesus said, yes, somebody did. And then when she saw there was no cover for her, but then Jesus said daughter your faith has made you whole go and be free just to let her know you got it the right way that was the way that way of God you got it the right way it belongs to you now you're free from this thing I'm sure that Sunday when she, or Saturday that's that uh, 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 she'll pull all, everything down in church. Amen. There's a woman yelling to her. Yes. First day in church. And pastor who didn't know what was going on said, uh, somebody hold that woman down. Something. <laughs> she seemed too happy. What have you been drinking, lady? Was whatever. But she was happy to be in church for the first time. Amen. God is such a good God, such a gracious God. And the Bible tells us He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He's inviting us to Himself tonight. He's here with us today, and He wants to meet us where we are in our situation, just like this woman, just like the blind man. To give us, that's what he said. He was sent. He was sent to us. To give us beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. Garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He's here today. Jesus is here with us today. Whatever the issue is today, your heavenly father is here today. Whatever is causing you shame, tonight that thing will die in the name of Jesus, will no longer be part of your life because God is making a way for you through the wilderness. Stand up with me tonight.